This is Compassion Radio. On Compassion Radio today, we have back with us Fred Human. You were with us last week talking with Oksana Gorbanova, who is our point of the spear person in Ukraine right now. But Fred, I wanted to talk more in depth with you today about what happened on your last trip there and how it's changed your perspective and how we need to be adjusting our expectations and how we should be praying for what's happening there, especially with the church in Ukraine. So Fred, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Always good to be here. It's home away from home, or the home from home, is the Fair enough. I would say. I've got you online right now from Nashville, Tennessee, which is where your home is, and we're doing this by Skype. Tell me quickly about your trip. You went there because you were already going to be in Sofia, Bulgaria, to reinforce and encourage the worship life all across that part of the world. So just give me a context. Why were you in Southeast Europe at that time? Well, I'd never been to Bulgaria, so that was a great opportunity to be there. Um, it was with an organization called Arts Plus. It's not just worship. It's about encouraging artists in mission. This is the first meeting they've had since COVID, etc. So there wasn't the normal thing, but there were 20 to 30 people there and several Bulgarians because they had not established a beachhead in Bulgaria. So they invited a lot of artists there, but people from the UK, from Egypt, from Greece, from Austria, from Switzerland, etc. All arts leaders, but arts in mission. So people who are using the arts in outreach, people who are encouraging and discipling artists. And they invited me to come talk a little bit about what I've seen in Ukraine over the last 10 years and over the last almost 10 months now, I guess. And then to lead a special time of prayer for Ukraine. So Hmm. it was a pretty unique gathering and a great opportunity to get a sense for Bulgaria. I mean, I've been to a lot of countries and most of them in Europe, but Bulgaria was one that I had not been to. Beautiful people. Great art, great artists, and a good opportunity to get to know some of the other people who are trying to make an impact in Europe. You always expect there to be kind of a, an arts community, and that language itself would communicate even across cultures or across languages. They somehow would be able to connect over a keyboard or a guitar and start sharing their faith and their life, and their art would influence each other. They have a synthesis, a blend of things they never tried before, which enriches their experience. They know they're going to experience that when they get close to each other, but... What surprised you this time around about sitting down with artists from these different countries? Well, you know, you and I tend to think in terms of performing arts, and Mm -hmm. that's because that's our background and our passion and our involvement. But meeting some of these incredible visual artists, in fact, I think of one guy who is a painter and a sculptor, Hmm. and some of the most alive and strong depictions like of the prodigal son or a sculpture that showed somebody breaking free. Hmm. It just, it emotionally gut level impact from those kind of things. And the, and the guy is trying to get pictures of the reconciliation, the prodigal son, or at least copies of this in cities all across Europe, just to make a statement to the culture hmm. in a way they understand that isn't limited by language. So there were definitely performing artists there, but lots of uh, graphic artists, visual artists, people who are involved with discipling classical and jazz musicians. And had it been a little closer, our good friend, Lane Latifier would mm-hmm. have been there because he's been a part of that from the beginning, but because of his health, was not able to travel. We love you, Lane, if you're listening, missed you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this whole movement that we've seen over the years in Europe of focusing on how important the arts are and creating groups there. So the other thing that was impactful was to see these Bulgarian artists share some of their interest, some of their work. Like I said, this one artist, gosh, I mean, 
visual art mosaic painting and sculpting you're going really is there anything this man does not do awesome uh, just incredible musicians great people wish i'd had more time in sofia a beautiful city and great great people they were interested in how they could use what they had to impact or to support artists and outreach and mission in Ukraine. So awesome. that was also encouraging. Did I mention England and France? I forgot that. Yeah, so we we'll got- get to those in another program. The reason these things are even evolving into a movement is because, you know, it wasn't long after the beginning of the Jesus music movement in West Coast America that there was the first meetups of artists including visual and other kinds of performing arts, that met together at the Christian Artist Seminar in Colorado back in 1974, I believe was the first one. And that evolved into a worldwide movement where there were other Christian artist seminars happening. The biggest one of all was anchored in Holland, which brought together all the European artists. And they were some of the first people to actually bring folks out from behind the Iron Curtain to fellowship with them and build relationships and they were instrumental in communicating what was coming with all the nations behind the Iron Curtain when the West really couldn't understand how fast things were changing and what would change about the end of communist rule in Eastern Europe. These artists knew it because they sensed it. They were empathic and they were empathetic to what was yeah. happening spiritually with their people. And they helped pave the way for new opportunities to bring people across what was considered no man's land for, you know, 40 years. And now it's like a faint memory for the whole world that there was this big bifurcation of cultures, of languages, of people groups that were never allowed to be with each other for those 40 years. But now we've seen a warfare rise up spiritually, not just physically, around Ukraine. And that's why the artists were so important to me, that you would spend time with them, because they're the ones that are going to be able to find a way through the fog of war and have something to say and something to give. So tell me about that. It was very interesting to see how the things that you mentioned, we'd seen the seeds of in the mid to late 70s and gone on, how mature that movement is Mm -hmm. and how many nations are involved and how many organizations and mission agencies are now making that essential to their work, not just an addendum. Right. That encouraged me even to be able to share a little bit of my firsthand experience there and how much all of them were obviously aware and also aware of the fact that if they all do something, it's going to impact all of Western Europe more than it has been in a negative way. Hmm. Who knows what this would mean, but the Bulgarians, I mean, obviously they're right on the border. Yes, they are. Others are based in Switzerland, already have ministries in Kiev. They just didn't know what was going on. So this was an opportunity to uh, see them latch onto it. It wasn't, obviously this meeting was not just about me, but I I did have two sessions, which was more than most. You always have an opportunity to say what you got to say, and they make a room for you because you believe you're carrying something there worth giving, or you wouldn't come halfway across the world to do it. But we have a a stronger expectation to come away with something, a knowledge and experience that only could have been understood by being there. So the ministry of showing up is absolutely important important in times like these. But the Holy Spirit himself gives that message and defines what the themes are going to be. So what did the Spirit express to you through the people you were there to minister with? It was a relationship and the need for that whole Arts Plus movement. People who are leading it, one I happen to be in the same cohort with at my graduate school. The other has been a part of the ministry oversight that we're a part of. And so they're the ones who invited me. But the, the chance to say, oh, you get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it. I was excited by the maturity of the of the movement and the desire to say, hey, this is what's going to do it. We met at the headquarters of Agape mm-hmm. uh, or crew there. Okay. The specific leaders of the movement in Bulgaria 
spent the whole time at the conference because they wanted to know more about how they needed arts in their ministry. That impressed me. Yeah. It meant a lot to me to see the maturity of the movement. It meant a lot to me to see them wanting to know more because, mm. you know, they said, well, we'll give you half an hour. Well, it took an hour and a half. Not that I took it, but they let it go. You know, it was yeah. like, you know how that goes. The hook comes out or if they're really involved, they don't care. Right. So that was important. Building a relationship for future involvement is important as well. So you had a lot of people from different countries that are ready to go to the front lines of faith right now. And what kind of resolutions or passions or movements came out of the meeting? Are they ready to go do something specific in and around Ukraine or what? The meeting was not just about Ukraine. I mean, the the reason they had the meeting in Bulgaria was to encourage this same kind of arts mission movement in Bulgaria, which is both discipling artists and challenging artists to speak to the culture. Mm -hmm. So I think several of them, the, the Brits very much want to continue to be involved. Um, the Bulgarians said, how can we work? Mm. I think the most significant thing that came out of it was relationship to say, how can we help? Let's continue this discussion. Yeah, There's a need to see that kind of fellowship amongst artists, being able to share the situations of a lot of the artists that we know, both at places that I teach and people who are in the arts culture nationally, hmm. who have a national profile, was significant to them. I think the most impactful time for all of us was the insight God gave to me about this prayer time. What am I going to do about this prayer time? Well, an understanding or a fresh understanding about the ministry of crying out in prayer. Hmm. If you look, I don't need to give you a whole biblical study, but if you just read through scripture and relating to prayer and you look at the Psalms, the psalmist is always crying out, how yeah. long, O oh Lord? Yeah. So what we did was focus on several topics about restraining evil, the mm -hmm. needs in the country, and then literally cry out in prayer. And if you can imagine 40 artists yelling at the top of their lungs <laughs> in about eight or nine languages. They don't tend to be very shy. No, but artists are a little bit more open that way. But even then, lots of them went, really? This is not our culture, because it was biblical. There you go. And uh, that moves several things. We've built a strong relationship, too, with some new folks from Britain. I'll bet you didn't know that the Anglican Church had a bishop for the arts. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we hit it off. I wish I could have had a week with him, and I may yet with Rob Gillian. Uh, but he has a background in drama, and production, and acting, even stand-up comedy. People would say that's a necessary skill for a bishop. Uh, <laughs> but their passion to say, how do we get involved, even uh, within the Anglican Church? So it was great fellowship, but trying to hook in these people to say, okay, Ukraine is a part of Europe. Yeah. What does this mean? And the leadership, the people that I know well, are committed to that. So I believe that's going to continue to uh, grow. And in fact, they already asked me to share another missions arts related thing a couple of weeks ago. And I had about half an hour at four in the morning our time to share again with a group of artists, mostly from the UK. Got to be on a 24 hour schedule now when it comes to worship and arts missions. Oy. Thank you, Zoom. Yeah. Now, yeah, there you go. I know you can't solve all the problems in the world in two days time spent with people you've just met. But when the Spirit's active there, I know that a couple things always can be addressed. One is you can address fear and you can address ignorance. And those things can be solved and addressed in ways that really do change the trajectory of people's careers and lives and the history of nations, really, because people met at the right time. So do you feel like you got through those kind of barriers with these folks this time? 
Oh yeah, there were very very few barriers. Uh, again, we, it was more like four or five days. So you, most of us in the same hotel, you know, casual time, friendship building time, wandering around uh, Sofia on one afternoon. Not much sightseeing time, but that's fine. That's not what we were there for. But again, it was very arts oriented. So artists need time. I think that will have more impact for Europe and for Ukraine as a result of that. Yeah, that, that's and there was very little fear. I wouldn't call it ignorance as much as lack of information. Yeah being able to fill in some of that and answer questions and not that i'm the world's largest or greatest expert on ukraine but i can share from what i know well you are an encyclopedia britannica when it comes to the history of modern worship arts and kind of connecting that to the ancient future movements tapping into why it meant so much to the early christians and what they were actually doing literally doing with their worship services are things that you've spent a lot of time studying true and i know that your heart was very much like let's get on with it so your heart was the folks just down the road from you so you left this conference and got ready to get into ukraine again and check up on all the projects you've had going there for years and of course you were thrust with the serve ukraine project and music works international which you work from there in tennessee what did you find when you got back into ukraine this time well, let's talk about where I found Ukrainians, oh, if I could. Please. Because I went straight from Sofia to Warsaw. Okay. Biggest hub in the world now for expat Ukrainians. Yeah. I mean, what, six million, you know, have gone through or at least into Poland and was connecting with, a, again, another longtime friend who we met in the 70s, Jim Gilbert. Mm -hmm. We traveled together then and have been working together since on different things. And Jim connected with some other churches that are working with people who are working with Ukrainian refugees. And so into that, almost immediately, I'd literally get in one night and the next morning, we were touring Warsaw, seeing that and seeing a network of churches that started their own NGO so that they could better serve the needs of refugees there. Very good. You know, we started at Warehouse, which is now maybe a fifth of the size it was, but still full of many, many different things. Mm. A shop that has shop hours hmm. where people queue up to come in. And it's not like handing it out this way, but you go in and you browse and you find stuff that fits you, things that you need, et cetera, et cetera. A refugee Costco. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they, more like the uh, shop connected to the Costco than a whole daycare system they've got going for Ukrainian families. And in the same building, Polish language lessons are going on. Okay. Then we went out to a huge, when I say huge, I can't even think of the right corollary. To say convention center makes you think of one building, mm -hmm. but this is six buildings. Okay. Well, two sets. One was a building that was a convention center. The other was the six buildings where these groups of churches have worked alongside the others who are helping those refugees and building up these daycare centers for kids. Okay. And so a giant education complex. Well, yes, connected to warehouses. So if you think of Hurricane Katrina okay. times eight months, that's what I saw. Okay. So we're talking about wall-to-wall -wall cots, people who've been there for eight to nine months, getting food. They're getting the ability to go into town. There's been some support from the Polish government, which is now being weaned off. So the churches are coming alongside to help with some of that. Um, and these guys have, this church and these churches have been very passionately involved in it. This one complex of six giant convention center exhibition centers originally set up for 30,000 refugees at their largest they had 12,000 now they've got about six but these are people who literally have nothing yeah most people went to Poland thinking they're going to come back right and these are the people from Kharkiv and Mariupol and other places uh, earlier in the war that have 
zero. They've got zero opportunity to go back right now either. Yeah, there's nothing there and no way to get back. And so they are passionately involved in this. A chance to see that and understand and hear some stories from some of the people they've helped. Uh, We sat down at, at lunch in the church building, which is in that warehouse or that whole complex, not the exhibition center, but where the shops and stuff are. They had some people share and I'm sitting next to this woman and I can't say it all in in Ukrainian, but she says, yeah, Irina, my name is Irina, and I'm from Mariupol. Hmm. And I just started to cry. Hmm. I had no choice, you know, having known, I know a lot of students who've lost everything there and friends. So to hear her story and hear another story from a mom who evacuated mega pregnant hmm. and uh, had to sort that out. And then as uh, the Lord would have it, then the next person to share was somebody who was from Hostomol near where we've been so many times. In fact, we had mutual friends. Wow. And she was sharing about what they had faced, and she was actually getting ready to go back to Ukraine. So seeing the passion of these people and even hearing from these workers, volunteers, a cooperative between businessmen in the churches and the churches themselves, they are working so hard. They are so overwhelmed with stuff that they're falling apart because they have just poured themselves into it 24-7, 365 plus. So who is caring for the caretakers? Well, not many people, and they even said that. And so that afternoon, and I have yet to follow up on it, but I've got responses back from two people or two groups of people. One is from Barnabas Ministries. They've been working alongside many, many people in Europe, these friends who have been with them for years. And then another counseling center that deals with trauma. Uh, ones that had had Marina and others go through this at Dallas International University. So we've got some people set up to go and help them. In fact, on my list today is to call and get the names of those pastors again so I can say, here's some people that are ready to help. So you are ready to deploy folks right now to go assist in those refugee centers in Warsaw? Yeah, I mean, I wish it's not me deploying more than making the connection and say, here's an opportunity for you to do some ministry in what you are gifted in. Please go. If I can help some way, I certainly will. It's amazing how much just the promise of a couch and a hot meal can be enough to get that domino tipped over and say, yeah, I can go. Yeah, We get stuck sometimes saying, I'd love to be part of it. I have no idea how. So if there are people that are listening to the program right now that are saying, well, it's been a number of months. I see the wars that keep going on. And yes, I understand there are millions of expats now that are in refugee status. But I have a certain skill set. I just don't know where to start to apply myself. What would you tell them? Well, the easiest way right now, obviously, is to send resources, uh, you know, financially. But I I walked through, and we haven't even talked about the Ukrainian border in Poland, but where you had seen a mile almost Mm -hmm. of tents of different people helping. Obviously, that flow has gone down, but there's still a need to come alongside in places like Warsaw. There's still opportunities in Western Ukraine, although it's not as safe as it was even a month right. ago. Well, the missiles are flying. Let me ask it a different way. What are the skill sets or certain kinds of talents and specialties that you know are needed right now? Building. Okay. Construction. Care. Uh, you know, counseling. Okay. The, the centers and the people we've worked with, both the workers and the refugees need it. Do you have the ways to connect people through Serve Ukraine and your network of people right now that could be able to get them in touch with somebody directly could make a plan? That's hard to say. It's the right question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking to the staff right now. Let me ask the staff. Yeah. <laughs> well, we may be a little busy. Yeah, um, I get you. It's trying to make those connections. I think the best thing I can do is connect them with people I know that could help. 
Okay. You have the ability right now, at least to begin that conversation with those who can find a way for people who want to serve, feel like God's pushing that way right now to do it. Well, for example, I mean, the people that Jim had connected us with, we met alongside Jim in uh, Warsaw, were mostly from one church in Decatur, Illinois. There you go. The town has gotten behind oh, good. the support. And so they're involved in, in sending and giving and coming alongside. In some ways, they were there to help, but more to be communicators of the needs to others when they got back. Right. Ambassadors for the need. Yeah, exactly. And clear communicators of that. So, yeah, it's the kind of thing where I'm, to be honest, so overwhelmed. And we've had so much since I got back. I haven't even been able to communicate that to my supporters. Hmm. It was so overwhelming, encouraging, but overwhelming to say, where in the world do you start? Right. Uh, we can talk about some more of that later. But We will. We'll talk about what, yeah. what you saw specifically, but I'll ask you that question to start with now because it'll be the way we kind of wrap up our first program on this subject. What are the biggest things you're seeing right now that we could make a difference in quickly by sending money or resources? Uh, it's winter. Yeah. I mean, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. We winter. can't send them summertime. I'd work on that if I could. Uh, orange juice doesn't fully make it summertime. There's a real need for right now warm buildings. So we've mm. been, you know, I'll talk more about the windows we've been able to replace. I had somebody who I'd met with in Kiev send me a note last week to say, hey, do you want to buy some blankets? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was basically the note. We found blankets. We can buy it for $10. And we've got all these people who are refugees in Kiev who don't have anything warm. They're coming into winter. That are currently refugees in Kiev. They haven't left the city yet. No. I mean, these are refugees who are in Kiev because they've left the East. Mm. And there's hundreds of thousands of those right now, too, aren't there? Yeah, and it's a progressive move. It's like, you know, you move, whether it's from 2014 to now or in this these last nine months, moving from the east into Kiev, and then you realize that Kiev is not getting hit, so everybody moves to the west. Mm-hmm. And so but both in Lviv and Kiev, there are communities of people who really can't go anywhere. And we can get blankets to them now. We can get blankets to them now. We can replace windows. We can help them. And I just talked to people in Irpin yesterday about the need for generators, given mm. the fact that yeah. they're bombing infrastructure. I mean, those are the kind of key things that I think I would want to start with. I think the counseling side of it's important. In some ways, maybe the most significant thing I brought was me, not that I'm significant, but that they realized that somebody cared enough to come. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the center in Morrison, there's buildings that they're building that maybe some folks come alongside and do. It's not hard to get in, but it's, I mean, it's not as hard to get in as you might think. They're happy to have you come in. I would say that for those who have some experience in actually going to conflict zones, that getting in and getting out are two very different issues. And they understand the difference between the two, and they actually have an advanced plan for the other side of things. What's your plan A, B, and C, and Q for the backside? Because the A is not so hard getting in. Oh, exactly. Those kind of people who are well-trained and are steeled to the challenge that is working for kingdom purposes in conflict zones, they are a rare breed. But at the very least, we can support them getting in. And we know that people are going back and forth all the time, kind of like Oksana Gorbanova, who is our key person on a number of projects. She is the kind of person which is wearing a zillion hats, but she keeps them compartmentalized in such a way that it seems like a spirit has her focus like a laser on things. And then she can switch it immediately to go to the next thing. She has almost superhuman kind of focus and energy. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the Holy Spirit is enabling her to see what needs to be seen and to ignore those things which cannot be dealt with or should not be prioritized right now. 
unexperienced people might look at the whole mess and say, where in the world would you start? I can't think of anything to do. And they freeze. Yeah. And we don't need people who are freezing in the face of opportunity and crisis. We do need people to unfreeze their minds and hearts so that they can help others not to literally freeze in the middle of a conflict in the winter. So that's why I'm appealing to people to be liberal with their giving right now for things like your Serve Ukraine project, which we supported, and we will continue to support. And they can do that through Compassion Radio as well. Let's wrap up this first episode and give me a key thought that we people can be praying for and thinking of today before we come back and talk about more of what you saw on the road in Ukraine. Without sounding super spiritual, prayer is essential mm-hmm. because the situation politically, militarily has gotten so whacked, even more than it was. Yeah. I think, too, that the stuff that we're now going to be moving toward has to do with meeting immediate physical needs. Yeah. We've got students that need supporting. We've got families. Uh, we were able to give some money to help a young boy who has to have special education because mm-hmm. of his mental situation. And so we're able to pay for his schooling now to the end of the year while I was there. Awesome. I think the other thing is coming up as far as praying for what we do is now figuring out how to bring alongside staff. As I joked earlier, you're talking to the staff. Yeah. I need wisdom. I think Mm. there's so much to do. You got to figure out what chunk you're going to bite off first and working with relationship. You know, we see people coming back and forth. We need to be helping them figure out whether they should. Those are issues because people want to be in their country. They want to be helping. And you could drone on about it for a while, couldn't you? I and I have indeed. I felt this strongly before I went. And I think now it's even stronger how crucial this is for the world. I yeah. it cannot be overstated. And this is not just about Ukraine. And we'll talk more about what they had to say to you on the next programs. Uh, Fred Human of Music Works International and, of course, our Serve Ukraine Project. Thank you so much for being with me to get a start on this report. Good to be with you. If you missed any of the earlier discussion, the podcasts are available 24-7 at our website, CompassionRadio.com. I'd encourage you to join us in our Serve Ukraine project as we help Fred and his team in Ukraine make a difference in the lives of many who need help right now. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.